Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood. Having trained more than 24,000 pets. Helping you and your fur babies thrive. Live in studio, it's Pet Talk Today with Will Bangura. Answering your pet behavior and training questions. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host and favorite pet behavior expert, Will Bangura. Ladies and gentlemen, the 46th President of the United States. You need a dog back in the White House. I've got two, two of them. Their names are Champ and Major. They're great dogs. And I promise you, they're back in the White House. He's a talker. Watch this. Hey, Champ, you want to play golf? We have dogs coming back to the White House, everyone. Congratulations to Champ and Major, President-elect Biden's two German Shepherds. Champ and Major will be accompanying President-elect Biden into the White House when he's sworn in as the 46th President of the United States on January 20th. So congratulations to our new President and Vice President-elect. I'm excited that we've got dogs coming back to the White House. I'm your host, Will Bangura, and you are listening to Pet Talk Today on 1100 KFNX, where we talk about your dog and cat and pet behavior and training problems each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Today we've got a special program. Last week we had uh, Emma Parsons, dog aggression expert and best-selling author of the book Click to Calm, Healing the Aggressive Dog. She was on for the entire hour last Saturday. Um, we get so many calls about aggression, and there's so much information that uh, we could put out there to help you with uh, helping your dog that is either dog aggressive or aggressive towards people that um, Emma was kind enough and gracious enough to agree to come back on the show today. So we're going to devote uh, the entire show today also so we can go into part two on how to heal the aggressive dog. Um, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break so we can hear from our sponsors. Uh, when we come back, we will have Emma Parsons, dog aggression expert and best-selling author of the book Click to Calm, Healing the Aggressive Dog. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. I am your host, Will Bangura, and you are listening to Pet Talk Today on 1100 KFNX, where we talk about your dog and cat and pet behavior problems and questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. 
Uh, today we've got a very special show. Last week we devoted the entire show to dog aggression. Um, we are going to devote the rest of today's show, part two, to dog aggression. Um, we are going to have again on air Emma Parsons, who is a dog aggression expert and the best-selling author of the book Click to Calm, Healing the Aggressive Dog. The book Click to Calm, Healing the Aggressive Dog, you can Find that on Amazon.com as well. Uh, Emma Parsons, she's got all kinds of official letters and certifications after her name. Um, she's been training dogs for more than 20 years. She is, like I said, the leading dog aggression expert. Uh, she's the best-selling author of the book Click to Calm, Healing the Aggressive Dog. Emma's also um, on the faculty. She is a faculty member of the Karen Pryor Academy for Animal Training and Behavior, as well as the Karen Pryor Clicker Expo conferences. Um, Emma gives Click to Calm seminars around the world, teaching others how to manage and rehabilitate reactive and aggressive dogs. She's a member of the Association of Pet Dog Trainers and the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants. Emma shares her life with her husband, Greg, and their four clicker trained dogs. Emma, welcome to Pet Talk today. Welcome back. Thank you. It's great to be back. And thank you so much for agreeing to come back with uh, with us, uh, you know, this Saturday, because last week we started talking about, um, you know, your book, Click to Calm. And I just felt like we weren't able to really give enough information uh, to people like I had wanted to. Um, so I think, you know, today, you know, people that are calling in, a lot of them have um, dogs in their home. They've got two or more dogs mm-hmm. that are fighting. Um, it's a big deal. It's, it's, it's the real deal. They're hurting each other. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want to give up their dogs. Obviously they want to be able to right. keep them, but they need to know, Hey, um, is there hope? Is there help? Um, can I keep the two dogs? Can they interact again? Cause maybe they're separated right now. And then on the other side are the people that have dogs that are aggressive towards people. And usually, you know, most of what we see is, you know, it's a stranger. You know, some they might get along well with the owners, uh, but then, God, anybody comes in that house, um, you know, they want to mm-hmm. eat them or they're on a walk and they're just going absolutely ballistic either towards other dogs or towards other people. So I'm hoping today... And it was my fault, really, that I can do a better job of, of helping to navigate it with your help. Um, you know, what can be done? I, I know we don't have a lot of time, um, so I'm mm-hmm. going to let you kind of, you know, take over from here. How would you begin in a very short period of time to explain, you know, what is this whole thing, click to calm, healing the aggressive dog, and, and, and how can it help them? And, and where do we start? Okay, so with the two issues that you just presented, the first thing that I would recommend if dogs are really severely either hurting people or other dogs is to see a veterinary behaviorist because a lot of times medication can help take the edge off. A lot of the dogs are doing that. Well, it's hard to know why dogs are doing it because, you know, every client I see have different reasons why these things are happening. You know, for example, dogs will fight with each other sometimes to get the um, the owner's attention. Um, you know, they might fight together because they cannot navigate their home well. Dogs together in small spaces don't work, tend to not work very well. 
and sometimes it's the dynamics. You know, we always hear the the question of if dogs are trying to decide who's, you know, quote unquote top dog, so to speak, you know, do we interfere with that? And I still meet a lot of clients who say, well, I thought the other one would teach it a lesson and that's not what happened. So there are many reasons why that can happen um, on the piece about dogs that are sensitive to people. The difficulty that I see is this. When dogs do not want to meet people for whatever reason, it's usually an embarrassment to us humans. And the person that the dog does not want to meet sometimes also feels bad. So what ends up happening is the person who owns the dog is trying to convince the dog that please meet this person, this is a nice person. But the difficulty, if you look at it from the dog's perspective, is that the dog, you know, is anxious for some reason about that. And they just see, you know, the eyes looking at them, hands coming forward. Because if you look at the way people introduce themselves to dog, there's always a bending at the waist usually. There's always a mm-hmm. hand that comes out, whether it's in a, uh, you know, a palm up or a closed fist. But it's always you know, put towards the dog. And the dogs, again, are just not, you know, they're not comfortable with that. So I think a lot of times with dogs that are sensitive to people, they're like that because they have learned that if somebody puts a hand in front of them, the dog ends up biting them, then the dog, the person ends up going away. So the dog is well-reinforced for showing that behavior. And we mistakenly think that a, that a, a wagging tail is a tail that's friendly, and that's not necessarily true. Um, I hear that all the time. You know, I saw the dog's tail wag. I thought the dog was friendly, and then I went to say hello, and the dog bit me, right? So, um, so the biggest thing with that first I would recommend is to go to a veterinary behaviorist um, because they are the experts at knowing what medication might help your dog to take off that anxiety. The second thing to know is that the more your dog rehearses this behavior, the more your dog will, right? So the difficulty with having dogs in the home that do not get along is that you do need to separate them. However, you do need to take steps to help each of them feel more comfortable with each other, right? Uh, Because the more they're left out, the more you cross your fingers and hope nothing's going to happen, and it does happen, it guarantees it's probably going to happen again. Uh, again, a reminder that the um, you know behavior that's reinforced, and that means if you yell at it, if you look at it, um, that is going to continue happening. So that's, I would say, the second piece, whether your dog is not friendly with people or you have a multi-dog issue at home, is you have to make sure that they are not rehearsing it uh, you know, at all. And I think it's important um, so too, the, I think it's yeah. important too, you know, you, you talked about not reinforcing the behaviors and, you know, I don't, I think a lot of people don't understand how when the dog engages in that behavior, you know, going after mm-hmm. another dog or going after another person, and now you remove the dog from that situation, people don't understand that mm-hmm. that's reinforcing. Well, well, that's the thing, right? If people see that as um, putting a Band-Aid on it and not really working with it. But the truth of the matter is, is that, again, if the, that behavior is not practiced, it will start to extinguish, 
So it's really so, important then, I think, what you're saying is, if I if I understand you, yes. is that mm-hmm. when people have dogs that are reactive or aggressive towards dogs, when people have dogs that are reactive or aggressive towards people, the first step, yes. even though it's not the solution per se, there's lots of work that has Correct. to be done. But before we do that work, yes. we have to manage all situations to make absolutely sure that the dog that's aggressive or reactive is not set up for failure by being exposed to those triggers too close, mm-hmm. too soon, where they are going to re-engage in that aggressive or reactive behavior, correct? That is correct. Okay. Yeah. I just want to make and, sure because you, for us as trainers, yeah. you know, we kind of understand that it, it, it's almost second nature. But, you know, to everyday mm-hmm. dog owners, you know, all of this is, is we're speaking a foreign language to them. So if we're now, right, if, right. if we're now making sure that they're not rehearsing those behaviors, what would be the next step yeah. then after that? So the next step, um, if we're talking about dogs that are not, not particularly comfortable with people, what I would suggest is again, we talked a little bit last time about the click to calm stages. So what I would do, if you're not familiar with a clicker, um, a clicker is a little noisemaker, basically. And what it does is every time the dog hears that click sound, then know they're going to get reinforced. So that's a promise you make to the dog, that when you see that the dog is doing what you want, you click once, and then you follow up with a reinforcer. And in most cases, my clients will use food, just because it's easy. Mm Um, so if you have a dog that's not good with people, let's say, you'd want to go to a place where there are people, but the people are not going to come up to your dog. Mm-hmm. So in order to do that, you may decide to take someone with you who can, um, you know, uh, intercept and, and explain what you're doing. And I, on, I, I always tell my clients, do not say my dog's aggressive because that will cue the person, the quote-unquote dog person who loves all dogs, and they will try to come and meet your dog to prove a point, and that's not what this is about. So what you'd want to do is click your dog once for looking at the people or the person, and then they will turn to you and you give them a treat. Usually what I like is to have them click, and again, you're always under threshold when you do this work. Can you explain what under threshold is? I understand that you do, but I don't know that our listeners all understand what under threshold is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you have a dog and let's say they are pulling you towards something, that dog is over threshold. Or if that dog is barking and lunging, that dog is overreacting to whatever stimulus they're looking at. Okay. So we don't want that. When, when dogs are doing that, they cannot learn. It's physically impossible for them to learn. So what you want to do is take steps back and open up that space. And then once you do that, you will see that your dog will stop barking. Your dog might even start looking at you, might give you a sit, something like this. And now you you know that you're at the appropriate threshold to work with with your dog. If you are on a threshold, and I call it a threshold kind of like an invisible line. You know, if you could draw an invisible line as to how close or how far your dog can be from the trigger. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's basically what I I call a threshold. So if your dog actually is, let's say, looking at a person, but they can't turn their head away, I still see that as over threshold, even the the dog's not barking and lunging. So when you get the dog... Can you say that again? Because I think that's hugely important. Say that one more time. Yeah. So if you have the dog that is looking at 
the trigger, let's say we're working with uh, strange people, they're looking at the person and they cannot turn their head back. They cannot break eye contact with whatever they're looking at. It means the dog is still over threshold, in my opinion. And um, even though they're not barking, they're not lunging, they're not doing anything else, but their head is stuck. And I call that sticky head. You know, if your dog's head is stuck on the trigger, they cannot pull away. So that still is a form of over-threshold, and I would want to back my dog up away until my dog can turn its head and my dog's body can be loose, and then I would start working with the dog at that level. And then at that point, you know, I think that Mm -hmm. what people need to understand, a lot of times they say, well, yeah, at that distance, of course I don't have a problem. My problem is getting closer. I don't have a problem with that. Right. Right, but what you'll find is that as you start to acclimate your dog to that trigger, you know, you start clicking and feeding your dog for looking at that person, if that person moves, if that that person speaks. What you're in effect is saying to your dog when you click, and they're not doing anything loud or obnoxious, you know, in the public setting, which we all know how that feels. Um, What you're in effect is saying is, I want you to look at people like you are right now. I want you to look at them quietly and calmly because that is the behavior that I want you to uh, repeat. I don't want you to repeat the barking and the lunging. You know, I don't want you to repeat any of those things. I want you to do what you're doing right now under threshold, which is looking quietly and calmly. And And that's why... I like the click because you can pinpoint that. Even if the dog looks at the person and you can click them before they, let's say, bark, Mm -hmm. and then they turn towards you, you have just made a little dent in that behavior. And your dog will say, oh, wait a minute. What did I get clicked for? I got clicked for this. And then what you'll find is your dog will give you more of what you want, which is looking at people quietly. And, and it's important for, I think, listeners to understand and, and why I had you kind of bring that up there is, um, this is a gradual, systematic mm-hmm. process that takes time. Yeah. This doesn't happen, you yeah. know, quickly. People will always ask me, well, how long is it going to take, uh, to fix my aggressive dog? And I have to tell them, right. I, don't, I don't know. Every dog, every owner right. is going to work at a different pace. But yeah. what I'm hearing you say, Emma, is that, we want to expose these dogs to the triggers, but we can't get them so close that they're going to engage in the behaviors we don't want because that reinforces it. And so what we have to do is begin to expose these dogs at a distance that's far enough away that they're mm-hmm. not stressed out, they're not reactive, they're not at the end of that leash barking, lunging, growling, you name it, that we can actually give a command to the dog mm-hmm. or or just right. like you said they can all of a sudden they notice oh there's a person you click the clicker and they're like oh they turn around to you to get the food because again mm-hmm. that distance is safe for them there exactly and and it, talk yeah, about mm-hmm. kind of because I, what i want to do is help the listeners to understand that, you know, that's not a one-time process, that you're working a lot of obedience at that distance. Um, and then what are we looking for from the dog or what are we 
looking for that helps us understand that we can now begin the process of getting a little closer. Can you touch Mm -hmm. on that a little bit? Yep, yep, sure. Um, so, So that's the thing. As you continue working this, you will see because you will start, you know, if you're moving in and out, and that's usually what I recommend to do. So if you're a person is, um, I don't know, you know, uh, let's just say six steps away and you can, you know, take your dog and you can click and feed them for being um, five steps away, then, you know, usually if you see any kind of stiffness return to the dog, if you think the dog is going to explode, then you know the dog is is getting more anxious again. Mm-hmm. So then you would say, okay, you know what, I'm going to just take half a step back and I'm going to work at this level because this is what my dog is telling me that he or she can do. But you'll find as you continue to do it, you will find that you can get closer and closer and closer. And it, I would love to be able to say, well, you know, if you do work at this level 10 times, then you'll be able to take the next step. But, but, the, but the difficulty is that the dogs are all going to work at different paces. You know, I have some clients whose dogs basically say, well, wait a minute, if you're going to click and feed me for this, I don't even care about the people. I'm going to just, you know, I can be around them as long as I know you're going to give me the information of what I need. Um, cause that is in effect what you're doing. I've got um, about 30 seconds. People. I got about 30 seconds before yep. I've got to go to the news, but, um, how often, okay. how often should they be practicing something like this? I, when, when I have my dog like this, I practice three times a week for probably, um, 15 minutes. So each of the sessions when you had them exposed was about, uh, you said how long? 15 minutes? Um, I would, I would go, I decide where on the location I would go, use my car as a barrier, bring my treats, and I would click and feed my dog. I do probably 15 minutes in total, but I would literally do probably. Let's, let's go ahead and we'll talk more about that when we come back from break. We're going to go ahead and go to news. Uh, Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Emma Parsons. CBS News, every 30 minutes, 24-7, 365, exclusively on 1100 KFNX. Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood. Sharing funny tales about your four-legged fur babies. Answering questions, some even ridiculous. And taking your calls, it's Pet Talk Today with your host, Will Bangura. To have your questions answered or to comment on today's show, call the KFNX listener line at 602-277-5369. 602-277-KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix call toll-free 866-536-1100. Now, back to Pet Talk Today with your host and everyone's favorite pet behavior expert, Will Bangura. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Will Bangura. You're listening to Pet Talk Today on 1100 KFNX, where we discuss your dog and cat and other pet behavior and training problems. Today, we've got dog aggression expert and best-selling author Emma Parsons with us. She is the author of the best-selling book, Click to Calm, Healing the Aggressive Dog. And before we went to break, uh, we were talking about 
um, what we need to do to help dogs that um, are aggressive or reactive towards um, other people. And, and Emma was talking about how often um, we should be practicing uh, these techniques. Do you want to go back into it? Because we had to go to the uh, news real sure. quick, so we kind of cut you off there. Yeah, so with my dog, I had a golden retriever that was not good with other dogs. So when I worked with him, I would pick my location. I would uh, park my car to use it as a barrier in case if, you know, either some dog came running, in this case with other people, you know, if somebody wanted to meet your dog, um, you want to be able to have a barrier that you can move behind and pop your dog in so that, again, your dog is always safe. Mm-hmm. So... um I would go out probably three times a week, and I would, again, go to places where I wouldn't really be noticed, and I would click and feed him at the appropriate threshold, probably, I want to say maybe two minutes at a time, two to three minutes at a time. Then I would, um, you know, say, oh, good boy, you know, and then I would put him back in my van, and I would wait a little bit, and then probably another I don't know, four or five minutes, and then I would pop him back out again and decide what exposure I wanted to um, use at that point. You have to remember that dogs, when they're working on this, it is very stressful for them. So, you you know, although you probably could be out there 15 minutes straight, you wouldn't want to do that because your dogs will just get anxious, and we don't want them anxious because that's what we're trying to take out of this training equation. Sure. Now, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. So, you know, when people are doing this, they might be working their dog at a distance that they might think, okay, my dog's not over threshold. My dog's not barking. My dog's not lunging. Yeah. Um, And that's your, but, and that means you're doing it right. (laughs) Okay. But I want to talk about something. I want you to help us out. It's possible, is it not? That at that distance, they might not be engaging in those behaviors. However, what if they're exhibiting all kinds of stress signals? Well, the thing is, is that learning is stressful for all of us, Okay. no matter what skill we're learning. Um, so what you'll find, again, is that the farther away that you are, the less stress signals that you'll see. Um, and the more you work it, the more the dog understands that the pattern, the dog will get less and less stressed. So... One of the things that we always have our clients do is we have them study in-depth canine body language so that they can clearly oh, yeah. yep. understand mm-hmm. all, because there's so yeah. many subtle stress signals that yes. are there. And also mm-hmm. the calming signals. Because we always tell people, if your dog is stuck in calming, or excuse me, in stress signals, and we're not seeing any shifts into calming signals, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're, we might be working too close too soon even though the dog might right. not be barking mm-hmm. or lunging or anything like that. So right. I wanted to make sure right. that, you know, we uh, we mentioned that as well. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, we talked about it in, in uh, last week, but um, one of the things I think is important is that um, we're not just, you're not just taking these dogs out to expose them. Prior to doing that, you taught them foundational behaviors, obedience training behaviors, and you utilize that in this process. So I know we're jumping back and forth a little bit, but can you talk about first, what are these foundational behaviors? Why are we doing them? And how do they fit in with this whole click to calm, uh, healing the aggressive dog, uh, 
protocol? Yeah, I mean, the thing is dogs need to know what to do, right? They need to have behaviors that you can put in. So, again, you have to decide, you know, instead of my dog barking and lunging at the person, what do I want my dog to do? So if we would answer that question and say, I would like my dog to sit, then we have to make sure your dog really does know how to sit, and we need to make sure that they can do a stay with that sit as well. So it's, you know, what we have to remember is that when dogs are reacting, they, and you ask them to sit, a lot of dogs cannot do it simply because they're not thinking, mm-hmm. right? And that's that part where they're barking and lunging and you're telling your dog, you know, a million things and they just can't even hear you. Um, but the thing is, is once we start teaching the dog to look at the person and they start to feel more and more comfortable and then they're looking at you, and then you need to be able to give them a cue that they already know. Because if you're outside or if you're in some kind of environment where there are people, we have to remember that the higher the distraction level, the more reliable our behavior needs to be. So that's no different here. So I would say that if we have not done any of this, you know, even a, a simple, you know, sitting with you walking with you and maybe doing a stand stay, mm-hmm. you know, a down behavior is a wonderful uh, relaxation behavior. But I have found that my clients' dogs, when they're starting to learn this methodology, mm-hmm. they're not relaxed enough to maintain a down stay um, out in these public settings. And why is it so important to teach the dog to do alternative behaviors and have them do some of these alternative behaviors during exposure? Um, well, the thing is, is that you need to be able to, you know, um, work. I mean, if you're going for a walk, let's say, mm-hmm. and your dog sees a person, they stop barking and lunging, and you want your dog, because if we think of what our goal behavior is, you know, we want to be able to probably just continue walking with our dog and not have them bark and lunge. So if we teach the skill of our dog looking at a stranger than looking back at us, and then that your dog already knows how to walk with you, then you put the two together and it's just a really lovely, seamless, you know, behavior chain. So um, that way, you know, what we're talking about here, you know, we're really not getting into teaching your dog to meet people at this point, but most of my clients will say to me, I want a dog that I can walk out in public who's Mm -hmm. not going to buck and lunge at the jogger or the person, you know, coming at us on the other side of the street. So it's important for your dog to understand, you know, what you want him or her to do. And um, because we are saying to the dog, right, I don't want you to bark and lunge. And then, okay, well, if you, I want you to look at me. Okay, great. Now I have your attention. And then your dog will expect for you then to take the upper hand and, and guide your dog to move and navigate through that setting safely. I like Because that is. No, yeah. I was going to say, I it's like. all about trust. Absolutely. I, I think I got this off your website. I think maybe you've got philosophy listed. I, I got this somewhere, but I want to read it because I think it fits in here well. Uh, the click-to-call yeah. methodology teaches the handler mm-hmm. how to communicate and interact with her dog safely in a formally challenging environment. In turn, the dog mm-hmm. learns how to keep himself safe by maintaining emotional self-control instead of the dog reacting at the end of his leash. 
He remains a thinking dog and gives his attention directly to the handler. Once this happens, the handler can then insert alternate or incompatible behaviors for him to perform. Eventually, the cue of the aversive stimulus, commonly strangers and other dogs, becomes the cue in and of itself to give the handler voluntary eye contact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that that kind of says a lot yeah. about that. Um, what are some of the biggest mistakes that, that people make, that handlers um, make? Some of the, Well, some of the biggest mistakes, in my opinion, is that um, they go too far too fast. You know, once they get a taste of the dog looking at the person and the dog's not reacting at all and it actually looks quite pleasant, they say, oh, I, you know, I think my dog wants to meet this person, and that's not necessarily true. So that's one big mistake. Um, the other big mistake can be um, not knowing what reinforcement your dog truly wants. You know, so we have to make sure that when we're out doing this training that you have reinforcement that they want. Um, another common mistake is allowing, once we get to that point, uh, saying, let's say you have um, family members coming to the house. They say, well, you know, my dog's been doing so well out. We've been working on it here. Give my dog some treats and see how they do. And then you end up with another problem because, again, the context is different. People don't realize that it's uh, very different being out and being clicked and fed for watching people and hearing them speak and watching them move than it is for somebody to actually confront them again. Um, so you know what? I'm going to have conflict. you hold on to that. We've got to take a mm-hmm. quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll talk more about common mistakes that dog owners are making when trying to work with their dogs and heal them from the aggression. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Emma Parsons. This is Pet Talk Today on 1100 KFNX. Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood. Sharing funny tales about your four-legged fur babies. Answering questions, some even ridiculous. And taking your calls, it's Pet Talk Today with your host, Will Bangura. To have your questions answered or to comment on today's show, call the KFNX listener line at 602-277-5369. 602-277-KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix call toll-free 866-536-1100. Now, back to Pet Talk Today with your host and everyone's favorite pet behavior expert, Will Bangura. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Will Bangura. You are listening to Pet Talk Today on 1100 KFNX, where we talk about your dog and cat and other pet behavior and training problems each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. We've got Emma Parsons, dog aggression expert and best-selling author of the book, Click to Calm, Healing the Aggressive Dog, with us once again today. And we're talking about her method and 
how we can begin to heal the reactive and aggressive dog, whether it be being aggressive towards other dogs or animals or whether it be uh, being aggressive towards um, other people. Um, before we went to break, I was asking you, Emma, you know, what are the biggest mistakes that, uh, you know, dog owners make? And you were starting to talk about that. And I just wanted to share something too. Um, I had a client that I was talking to the other day and, you know, one of the things he learned from your book was, you know, uh, not to pull up on that leash and hold that tight. And mm-hmm. he said it's mm-hmm. made a really big difference. So, yeah, yeah. Um, what yeah, I want to do, we've yeah. got about oh, less than 10 minutes before we've got to close today. And that, God, our time goes so quick. What I'd like to do is try to spend the rest of the time talking about what people need to do when they've got two or more dogs in the house that are fighting, when they've got intra-dog aggression. What would they do? Um, so they first want to separate the dogs because we do not want the dogs uh, doing this behavior a lot because um, the more they do it, the more they're going to. Um, the other thing is that um, we need to see why it's happening, right? Mm-hmm. So the questions I would ask my clients are things like, you know, is it when they're in uh, going over thresholds? Is it when they're in a certain room? Is it a certain time of the day, etc.? Um, most times dogs, multiple dogs, they need their space. They need to eat separately. Uh, they need to go out separately. And but what I mean by that is they should not just be running down the stairs all together as a bunch and trying to squeeze out the door. Um, we want them to be able to go out one by one, although they certainly can be in the yard if it's safe to do so. The other thing uh, to think about is sometimes the fighting happens during playtime because it could be that the dogs play fine. Um, but then it goes, again, it goes over threshold in the sense of they just, it's just too much commotion and let's say one of the dogs, I don't know, you know, play bites the other one and then it turns out into a big brawl, right? So a lot of times, um, limiting the play time is actually can be quite effective if that's where it's happening. Uh, the one thing that I wanted to mention is, um, something called team training. And one way to work that, I had a dog um, with my puppy who I really had to work them together, and it took me six months to be able to put them together in the house. And we did something called team training, and what we did is I put a baby gate up in between the rooms. I had one dog on one side, one dog on the other, and I would say the name of the dog. I would ask the behavior from one of the dogs. You know, if it was Austin, I'd say, Austin, sit. He'd sit. i click feed him. And then I would feed the other dog on the other side of the gate for watching Austin get trained. So the beauty of this is that when you start to team train them, one, the one who gets the reinforcement, who is training, as well, the other one is still part of the training team. So if I were to give Austin a cue and Austin didn't do it, then neither of them would get fed. So what starts to happen is they start to become on the same team, and they start to understand that if they work together, they get more reinforcement. 
Now, if you have dogs that really can't even see each other from, you know, across the room, then you would obviously need somebody, you'd have to have the dogs on leash and you'd have to have somebody to, you know, work with you because you have to do it safely always. That was going to be one of my questions is what Mm -hmm. what do they do if they've got two dogs, you know, and and they can't, you know, safely do that um, and they've got to start out at a greater distance. Um, Yeah, they could have a person... um, you know, they could have, an, an, if they have another person that they live with, they could have a person have that dog on a leash, collar and leash, and, you know, the other person could do it and do it that way. Or I know certain sometimes the way certain homes are set up, like I'm looking around at mine, right, and I could put a baby gate out in one hallway, leave the kitchen empty, and then have another baby gate where my, my dining room is. So I could have one dog on one side of the kitchen and one dog on the other side of the kitchen. And um, that way, you know, they could still see each other and still work that way. But it's the same thing with your thresholds. I mean, if your dogs can't be together in the same space, you know, and they're hurting each other, then they, they, they can't be there because that, that will just continue. Um, and if you have a small dog with a larger dog, then, again, it's always safety first. You know, you have to make sure that that little dog is never, ever al- uh, allowed to be alone with that bigger dog. Um, and, and let me just say this, you know, there are sometimes where dogs just are not going to get along. And if that's the case, you have to decide, okay, do I, you know, do I want them enough to have them separate all the time and make sure each of them can get physically and mentally stimulated every day? Or is it going to be more fair to place the dog in a home that doesn't have other dogs or maybe has other dogs, but, you know, again, it, it can be that the dog just doesn't hate all dogs. It can just be it has a particular problem with one dog. So there's a lot of variability to that, um, that, that one has to look at. What, what are the, what are the, you know, we've got about four minutes left before we've got to go. And before we do go, I, I want you to be able to, give out your information. Are, are there ways that people can get in touch with you if they wanted to work directly with you? Oh, absolutely, yes. Can, um, so can my you, website... Yeah, give out that information for it, our listeners, please. Yeah. Um, my website is very simple. It's emmaparsons.com. And it's just, you know, emmaparsons, one word, dot com. And that's the website. And there is a little consult or question box there that they can send me something direct, or uh, my my personal website. I mean, my personal email address. Sorry, is um, Emma at emmaparsons dot com. So they could do it that way as well. And they, they can questions. get your book, uh, "Click to Calm: Healing the Aggressive Dog." Where? Yeah, uh, it, it, Amazon has it. Uh, Karen Pryor Clicker Training has it. Dogwise has it. Makes a great stocking stuffer. If you've got people out there that you know have uh, aggressive dogs and they need help, get on to Amazon.com, pick up that book, uh, click to Calm Healing the Aggressive Dog by, by Emma Parsons. Emma, we've got uh, about uh, two minutes. And um, mm-hmm. what I'm going to give those two minutes to you. What can you tell our listeners in the next two minutes that you know might be some of the most important things that they can do? Um. Definitely work with your dogs, train them, manage them well in your home, teach them to trust you, teach them to respect you, be very consistent with them. And even if you choose a couple of behaviors to teach them, make sure that you teach them reliably. 
Is it possible for dogs to love their owner but not respect them? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We love our dogs. They love us. I have no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. But again, um, what teaches respect is that we have to be consistent with them and they have to understand what their role is. And the difficulty is that with everything, our family is very busy. Sometimes the dogs, the dog just doesn't get, that doesn't get addressed because we figure, well, the dog's doing good, so we don't have to do that. But in reality, we tend to look at the dogs when they're not being appropriate. So I just want to encourage everybody to really reinforce what you want your dog's behavior to be like. Absolutely. We've got about two minutes left, so I'm going to try to throw out some questions here. Um, you know, click to calm is based on clicking and rewarding, and a lot of times we're rewarding with food. What if a dog just doesn't want the food? What do you do? You find out what the dog will work for. So when I was teaching reactive dog class, Mm -hmm. I found that some dogs liked massage. I found that some dogs liked to play with certain toys instead. I found that um, dogs just like to be praised and petted. And you can use that same reinforcement. Just make sure there's a beginning and an end to it. What do you mean by a beginning and an end? So before we would click and feed the dog. So instead, I would have my students click and then give five seconds of, let's say, praise and petting. Gotcha. Or five seconds of massage. It's got to be kind of quick, right? Um, or they it, they don't make the connection. Well, the thing is, is that you you know you are going to be clicking and feeding multiple times during a session. Mm-hmm. So you want to be able to click. Let's say pet and praise your dog, you know, five, four, three, two, one, and then, and then release them and then go to your next exposure. So you want the dog to understand that there's a, that is the reinforcement. There's a beginning and an end to it. If you're going to use a toy, you, again, you can play for about five seconds, but the, the piece there that's very important is that that toy is on stimulus control, which means that... Uh, We're at the end of the show again, Emma. I hate this. We could have you on each and every Saturday. Thank you so much for being here. (laughs) I'm Will Bangura. You're listening to Pet Talk today. We'll see you next week. Have a good week, folks.